You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. They were asking me to do nightly news, the Today Show, other things on top of it, this and that. And I said, no, you want me to do Morning Joe? Then I need to come in and do Morning Joe, and then I need to go home and work on Morning Joe, making bookings for Morning Joe. TV journalist Mika Brzezinski. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Well, she is one of the most recognized faces on television news today. For the last 15 years, she's been the co-host of MSNBC's Morning Joe program. But before that, Mika Brzezinski's future in TV news was anything but certain. In fact, she wasn't even sure she had a future in TV news. But with a little bit of luck, an awful lot of hard work, and a persistence that just wouldn't give up, Mika Brzezinski earned her way back into TV news and eventually that Morning Joe co-host slot. Now, I met her in 2010 when she wrote a memoir that was also a motivational book for women called All Things at Once. So here now from 2010, Mika Brzezinski. The young women that I speak to, for some reason, the platform that I have with this uh, show, Morning Joe, has a lot of young women asking me for advice. And when I do speeches and I'm asked for advice about life and career and how to, you know, get ahead in this business, their eyes pop out of their head when I say some of the simple things that I believe. So in essence, the book is for young, young, younger women. And I mean, hey, I'm 42. Anyone younger than that is younger. Um, anyone trying to figure it out. Um, and it's also for my daughters, um, the imperfection that they have endured <laughs> and some of my downs uh, and my, my mistakes. I'd like them to see where it was coming from. Um, it really was coming from the right place. Um, having said that, I'm aware of the risk I am taking. I've put myself out there. I've put my decisions out there. And anywhere you look online, you will see a very, very diverse view of opinions. And I will tell you something interesting. The meanest, most vitriolic, most horrific words are being used and judgments are being used by women, which is uh, another reason why I'd like the conversation to continue and perhaps we could have a good one. But this is one of the hottest of the hot buttons for women. Motherhood, career, what am I going to do with my life? Can I have it all? Yes, and what I do in this book is admit that I, I want a career. I love it. And it's really important to me. Does that make me a bad mother? Does that make me a bad wife? My answer to the question is, well, my opinion is, and understanding that I am a work in progress, I'm 42, so, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong, um, but my choices are all made because marriage, career, and family, to me, are all intertwined. I would not want this job. I would want nothing to do with the job that I have right now and what I'm doing if I didn't have these children and this husband to share it with. It's nothing to me without them. And to an extent, being able to develop who I am and grow and learn and communicate and do what I love is important for my girls to see. And at times when I wanted to give up on it because I saw work as the enemy and leading to bad things that happened to us along the way, which I write about, it was my husband who said, do not quit. It's not you. And to me, there's a message in there about finding the right partner in life and how important it is to do that and to do it when it happens, not when you think you can plan it out. One of the analogies you use in the book compares a bad job to a bad boyfriend. It really is 
a dance that you do and you get into a relationship and you're not quite sure, you're hoping it's going to work out, but you're not quite sure, here's some flaws, you know, I'll change them after we're married, that kind of thing. Uh, doesn't work, does it? Women are the worst with this, and I will be the first to say it, a bad boyfriend, that is not something you want. And when you're in the relationship, you have no idea how to get out of it because you're intoxicated, because you definitely think that ring is coming around the corner, or that marriage is going to happen, or that relationship will last, and it will not, because you are not knowing your own value, and you are compromising your self-value, and ultimately, he sees that and discards you. Now, let's transfer that to work. Any job can be a bad boyfriend. If you give, 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 and don't understand your value, and don't ask for your value to be respected, guess what? They're your bad boyfriend. And I will tell you that when I was at CBS, while I loved it there, I did allow it to become a bad boyfriend. I was all things to all people. I worked for every producer. I, every time anyone asked me to go somewhere, I was the first to jump on a plane. And there's that fine balance of being someone who started out in the business and needs to be eager and being that person who um, knows that their time has come where they can make some clearer choices and perhaps say no along the way. And I will tell you that when I was at CBS, I was doing lots of different pe things for lots of different people. And when I ultimately left CBS, I didn't really have a niche, a profession, something that I was an expert in that I could then market. I was everything. I was a uh, the like um, a utility second baseman. Exactly. And when I found Morning Joe, or when Morning Joe found me, I knew my value. I knew I had found something that I could do well, but they were asking me to do nightly news, the Today Show, other things on top of it, this and that. And I said, no. You want me to do Morning Joe? Then I need to come in and do Morning Joe, and then I need to go home and work on Morning Joe, making bookings for Morning Joe. I'm not doing nightly news. I'm not doing the Today Show. I will do some really good special things on top of Morning Joe, but I'm not going to run around spinning like a top. And ultimately... I wasn't getting a contract out of NBC. So I went into the president and I said, you are a bad boyfriend. Do you know what a bad boyfriend is? And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, a bad boyfriend is someone you give everything to, but he doesn't marry you. You need to marry me now or this relationship's over. Well, bless your heart. There's a lot of corporate bad boyfriends today that are telling people in our business, radio and television, Fine, go away. There's a hundred more lining up at the door ready to take your job. You know what? And if you're not that valuable, that's exactly what will happen. So you, you've got to know, your, you've got to know your, your battles. Look, I came to MSNBC starting at the bottom at 40 years old. I couldn't find a job anywhere. I knew I had to take a step back, put my head down, and start all over again doing freelance work. After working at 60 Minutes, after being the Sunday anchor, I was unemployed for a year, and no one would hire me. No one. But when I struck gold with Morning Joe, it's my job to protect it. It's my job to know the value of it and to know what I bring to the table. And it was my job then to demand to be treated well. So I'm saying there is certain times when you when you pull these triggers, and then there are times also you back up, you put your head down, and you start all over again at the bottom. And I've done that too. After this short break, Mika Brzezinski gets real about the sexism and misogyny in TV news. Now back to my 2010 conversation with Mika Brzezinski. Would someone else who had exactly your experiences, exactly what you've been through, your whole career track, would their experience have been the same as yours if they were a man? No. 
Women are treated terribly in television. We're commodities. We're pieces of meat. It's horrible. No. Hence the bad boyfriend as opposed to bad girlfriend. Bad I've had a few bad girlfriends. It's a whole different experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's totally different. This is, a, this is a tough business. It's brutal. It's misogynistic. Well, see, that's another thing. Before I started reading your book, somebody who had already read it was telling me about it. And I thought, you know, I thought this sounds fascinating. I've got to read this. But how is it really different than much of anything that anybody who goes into radio or television, this is a, this is a bad business to be in. It absolutely is. And you'll find nothing in this book that says, I'm a victim. I was a victim. I was, I was fired. I take responsibility for anything and everything that has happened to me. And I look in this book at what I could have done better. What I could have done better at CBS. What I could have done better when I fell down the stairs and had the most horrific accident with my baby. I don't blame anybody for my failings but myself, and I look at and I share because I think we all can gather a little bit from it because a lot of women have these same concerns. Having said that, it's a misogynistic business. It is overly focused on looks and sexuality, and I will tell you that I talk about that as well in this book, but I've always struggled, and I will to this day, and I'll only last as long as I last, but I will struggle to transcend it every day. So many people in this business will see what you've gone through, and they'll say, wow, I mean, if, if Mika has to go through that, what, you know, I ought to be able to manage this. Well, I thought I could manage, you know, being a great wife, a great mom, and a great career person. And what I've learned is that you've got to be able to put things on the back burner and focus. And that has taken years, especially as a mother, to admit. Women have a hard time admitting that they sometimes need to cede authority and decision-making power over their children to other people. We do it all the time. Look at the women running Washington. Do you think they spend every waking hour with their kids? No. Someone else has to help them. We need help. And you know what? We need to talk about this, and we need not being judged for making decisions against our children because we've made these decisions. I think there's a really, really, really cruel conversation going on out there by people who don't necessarily respect the decisions I've made. And I venture to say there's a conversation we can have. We don't have to be mean, and you don't have to make the decisions I've made. But let's be able to talk about this without being judged and being cruel to each other. Because ultimately, all of our children turn out the way they turn out. And sometimes you can be there every waking hour. You can be watching over them. You can be in there with the teachers. You can do everything, quote, perfectly. And they still have trouble in life. Guess what? It's an imperfect science, but we don't make it any better by lashing out at each other. Something else I like about your book, you just say it. There's nothing wrong with ambition. I love it. I love working. I love building on something. And I, I have been ambition, ambitious in the past. The interesting thing about the job I have now, and trust me, it's TV, it's cable. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? But I love it. And I, I'm not using this job to get anywhere. It's the first time in my life that I really... Don't want to be anywhere else. There's nowhere I want to go. I'm not interested in working on any other broadcast in television. So if you couldn't do, I mean, as you just said, TV and radio change on a dime. If you couldn't do this tomorrow, what would you be doing? I would, I would be doing something because I love providing for my family. It's what I bring to the table. I'd find something else. Maybe I'd start a website. Maybe I'd start all over again doing overnight shifts. I don't know. I know when I wasn't working and I threw myself into my kids and my husband, I felt very guilty at how much I missed working. And even going back to that low-level job felt great. I love working. And that's something that people, again, may... may Oh, may I add, 
No one was more happy about me going back to work than my daughters and my husband. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> you know, I mean, there there is something to be said though for loving what you do so thoroughly that you're willing to work overnights to do it. Yeah, well, and and I'm I might be slightly psychotic as well to be getting up at 42 years old uh, at 3:30 in the morning to go to work. I mean, it's a brutal schedule, and I. I don't know how well I'd be doing it. I don't know if I would be doing it if I didn't absolutely love it and know the value of it. I have to say, I'd be delighted to be able to sleep till 3.30. I get up at 2.30 every day, uh, but there's no, I'm not going to get into I am. Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I do have to say, though, the worst shift I ever had in my professional life of 36 years was when I worked overnight. When I go into work at 8 p.m. until 4 a.m. Nightmare. I did that for three and a half years. And I also did it when I started out in this business in 20 as a desk assistant at ABC World News Tonight. And I said to myself back then when I was this, you know, tough, young, 22-year-old or whatever, I'll never work overnights again. And boy, did I jinx myself. Oh, in a big way. I got a nine-to-five job. I just should have been more specific. Oh, it's, it's really hard. And people who work the graveyard shift, whenever I meet them, I just, I, I take their hand and I, wa- I want to hug them because it's, it's the hardest shift. It's hard. But it takes such a toll, not just mentally and emotionally, but physically on you. It's it's brutal. It's the three, and I had I had my second child on overnights, mm-hmm. and that's what led to a lot of problems I had. But I'll tell you, it definitely sucks the life out of you. You had a, a slap upside the head moment that most people would be would recoil in shock at the idea of having. Yeah, well, that was when I was working overnights, and I was rushing to get back to work after I had my second baby, and I went back to work too early. Uh, I write in the book about the the decision to know your value and work and have all things in your life, but you know what? Also pace yourself. And you've got to have a lot of self-confidence to know that a job will not leave you if you're good at it. I didn't have that. I rushed back and ultimately had this terrible accident where I fell down the stairs holding my baby. And I was so filled with self-hatred for so many weeks and months because of what I had done, what I had let this job do, what I had done what I had done. And I didn't want to go back to work. I really didn't. I wanted to throw in the towel. And a lot of the, um, it's interesting, a lot of the cruelty and the, the the vitriolic debate that I'm seeing on the internet pertains to the decision to go back to work after such a terrible accident. And um, the decision to actually get more backup in the house and go broke doing so. So you see these women writing about me saying, so she has this accident and ultimately decides to work more and spend less time with her kids. What a horrible parent. And you know what? We wanted to push through that tough time on my husband's urging, push through it and see if we could find a job that worked better for the family. But you've got to go back to work to make that happen. And that's where the debate about sort of how far you go with decisions you make in life and where do you draw the line um, has really gotten interesting with this book. And I'm very honest in a raw way that I think puts me out there uh, for some pretty bad beatings. Mika Brzezinski turned 55 last month. She and her first husband were divorced in 2016. She married her Morning Joe co-host Joe Scarborough in 2018. And you can find easy Amazon links to Mika Brzezinski's books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, that's where you'll also find my 1997 interview with another veteran of the morning TV wars, Joan London. I wanted to leave Good Morning America with grace and dignity. I wanted to walk into that last show that last day 
with a sense of gratitude. And everybody for two months before the show, they said, aren't you going to be sad? And my 2008 interview with Inside Edition's Deborah Norville. You know, my job as, as a journalist, the first bumper sticker I ever got 100 years ago was at a journalism convention. It said, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. I believe your protestations of love and adoration, but uh, where's the beep? And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, kind of an early Father's Day present, if you will, my 2006 interview with the son of a Hollywood legend, a pretty good actor in his own right, too, Jack Lemmon's son, Chris Lemmon. Pop was taking it in the usual Jack Lemmon stride, sort of in the background, going, a big big movie star over here, hello, hello. (laughs) And finally walks over and he puts a hand on my shoulder and says, well, there you go, kiddo, all your life you've been Jack Lemmon's son, and now it's who's the old fart with Chris Lemmon. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.